When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL Studios. It's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. splits. Wide right, Trubisky rolling that way, keeps his eyes downfield, throws a little low, and it is Anthony Miller in the end zone Uh-oh. for the touchdown. Trubisky backing up under pressure, avoids the sack, he can run, and he proves it right here by picking up the first down. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. Um, you know, either they're not listening or they're not paying attention or they don't really care, so we'll have to find out what, which one of the three it is. That is uh, Zim talking about the ball security or lack thereof of the Vikings, which, of course, is a bugaboo of every single coach in this league, and, well, it should be. Uh, ben Gessling, Star Tribune, had this tweet earlier today. Vikings in turnover rank in the National Football League since Zimmer's first year in 2014. Sixth in 2014. 2015, they were fourth. 2016, they were seventh. Last year when Zim lived in fear of Keenum throwing picks or fumbling the ball or making a bad decision, they were third. Highest ranking. It's fantastic. Yep. 2018 so far, they are 25th. 16 turnovers, according to the Gessling tweet, is two more than they had in all of 2017 and the same as 2016 when they got off to that fabulous 5-0 start and completely came unglued. They are, right now, you are going nowhere. You're not going to the playoffs. If you are 25th in turning the football over, you are, on January 1st, going home. You're not going to the playoffs. You can't go through this next stretch of games continuing to throw picks, continuing to have your quarterback fumble, having Dalvin Cook lose fumbles. If you want any chance, any chance, of being a wild card and having any chance then of getting some luck and making a playoff run, you have to hold on to the football. And it's just, it strikes me as so funny that Mike spent all last year making all these comments about case and ball security and basically saying, as we talked about before, he's got a horseshoe up his rear end because there, but for the grace of God, he throws two or three picks a game. (laughs) And you are now, you are, you now have, an $84 million quarterback who has as many interceptions thrown in the regular season through 10 games in 2018 as Case Keenum threw in 2017 in 15 games and 14 starts. And think about this, too. Think about the last part of of Ben's tweet. The Vikings' 16 turnovers this season are already two more than they had all of last year and the same amount as they had in 2016. 
We all remember how the 2016 season started and how it finished. It was a five and zero start, an eight and eight finish. Okay, mm-hmm. this team this year in 2018 has as many turnovers in ten games as that team that melted down in 2016 had all season long. Well, and and there are six games left. This year. And that's because in 2016, for, for all we got on him for the checkdowns, Sam Bradford was obsessed with not turning over the football. Mm-hmm. And, and that offensive line was a mess, maybe even more of a mess than this offensive line well, is. The turnovers are largely a product of the fact that your quarterback is trying to make plays that he shouldn't make. And then what drives you absolutely crazy about that is and, and I give him credit for answering the question, okay? So I would prefer that Kirk Cousins answers the question. But when you answer it this way, this is what can drive you absolutely crazy if you're a fan and or a coach of this team. Well, I think with the coverage, the ball really should have gone to uh, Stefan in the flat. Um, you know, I was uh, trying to feel the demeanor of the, of the defensive backs and um, playing fast just felt like... Um, you know, obviously, I, I felt wrong. I, I, I thought maybe I could put it over there to, to Laquan, but uh, the throw was, I think, to, to Steph in the flat. It's a pick six right there. How did he? I'm I'm just trying to figure out how did he in that situation. Yep. Again, I'll repeat it, Judd. There were three orange jerseys in that area where he threw that football. How did he think he could get it to Laquan Treadwell there? Laquan Treadwell of all people. How did he think he could get the ball to? He told you. It's one. It's made a mistake. Listen, it's one thing if Adam Thielen's over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still kind of a dumb throw. But if it's Adam Thielen over there, you're like, well, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. If it's Diggs, yeah, well, one of the best guys in the NFL. But it's Treadwell, and you're throwing into triple coverage with Treadwell? Hey, what are you looking at? He admits I should have thrown to Diggs. Just a walk in the park. It's just a pick six. Don't worry about it. Okay. Then why didn't you? That's my question. Why didn't you? Okay, our Twitter poll, 1500 ESPN, that you can go vote on right now. Knowing what you know now, would you still sign Kirk Cousins or would you re-sign Case Keenum? Still 79% saying Cousins. And Cousins does bring some good things. But here's my question. My question goes beyond the play of the quarterback. And I don't know the answer here. John D. Filippo, who you hired as your offensive coordinator after Pat Shermer, who had a fantastic play call in 2017. There's no doubt about it. After Pat Shermer left and you brought in Flip from Philadelphia, where he did not call plays, I believe the last time he called plays was a short-lived tenure as the OC in Cleveland. Yeah. But he did not. 2015, maybe? Yeah, something like that. But he did not call plays. So so Sage, who joins us on Fridays, I'm, I'm going to play a, a series of clips here. Rosenfels joins us on Fridays. He played quarterback in this league, and he does a far better job than I of explaining how the Vikings philosophy perplexes him and why you can't just say a team doesn't have to run. There seems to be this theory among some, well, you don't have to run. You can just pass, pass, pass. This is a series of sound bites from last Friday when Sage joined us talking about why teams need to run and why he is, I think, perplexed that the Vikings don't try and establish the run more often to help out Kirk Cousins. Well, I'm just sort of confused as to why it is. You know, I, you know, if you look at the yards per carry amongst the, the main backs of the Vikings, it's not low. It's not like they're averaging three yards a carry here. Uh, they just don't hand the ball off very much. And so they're, you know, 28th in the league 
uh, in in rushing, and and you know I think that's that's an issue. You know, Kirk Cousins is being counted on to do a lot for this offense. Uh, I prefer to have him do a little bit less. I think that would be nice. He doesn't need to throw the ball, you know, 35, 40 times a game. Uh, I think Latavius has a heck of a job. I think the linemen like coming off the ball. Uh, they ran the ball extremely well last year. I believe they were in the top. I think they were second in the league uh, with number of attempts and maybe seventh in, in total rushing. And look how well Case Keenum played within that offense. So I imagine Kirk Cousins would play much better, uh, even better, more more efficient, uh, if they were run, trying to run the ball a little bit. I don't think they're they're failing to run the ball well. They're just not doing it enough. So you can look at it, you know, have they been behind in a lot of games? Uh, you know, so they've had to throw the ball. Have they been in these really high-scoring offenses? And that, there's some truth to that. I and mean, they play the Rams and the Saints. Uh, you know, they want to try to keep up with those teams. You know, trying to keep up with the Bears, I think, you know, this week, by the way, I think slowing it down. Let's limit the number of, you know, attempts Mitchell Trubisky gets and things like that. I guess I'm probably talking to the offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo. I, I, you know, he's the difference to, to me between last year and this year. Uh, and I don't think it's blame. I said they're just throwing, they're throwing the ball much better than last year too. You know, so but my guess is, uh, and my thought is, that the Vikings would be a better football team if they ran it uh, better. They'd be more efficient. They'd stay out of those pesky third and long situations. We'd hate to have you know seven or eight third and nine pluses this week with Khalil Mack rushing the passer, right? So. Let's stay out of those. Let's stay in those third and threes, third and fours. Let our executor uh, of a quarterback, uh, uh, you know, work his way through the progressions. And, and that sort of stuff, he's, he's really pretty dang good at. And so I'd like to see him do that rather than trying to continually force, down, force the ball down the field in third and long. So why is th- this offense become so one-sided consistently? Now, now, you can take any one game like last night, I guess, and say, well, they couldn't run the ball. All right. But this is now a franchise where I don't think that there's a perceived threat of that. And I go back to what I've said before, which is when you watched Shermer call plays for this franchise in 2017, it became very easy to take for granted what a good job he was consistently doing. Mm -hmm. And he did a fantastic job. And red zone offense is incredibly tough to call because it's consolidated and it gets more and more difficult as you get towards the goal line. But Shermer was great. What I don't get about DeFilippo is the fact that when is the last game that you that you went into confident that the Vikings were going to both be able to throw the ball and run the ball? And most importantly there, Kirk Cousins, you cannot allow him to cost you games. Okay? You can't allow that. And he can't afford the fumbles, and he can't afford the pick slit like he threw last night, the pick six. Mm-hmm. We've become used to seeing that far too much. In Kirk Cousins' defense, though, I also don't think that you can put the entire game on his shoulders consistently, which D. Filippo seems about to, that last night, which he seems to be intent on doing. And and I haven't heard this discussed a lot, but I think internally in Egan, you got to take a step back and say, John, what's the philosophy here? We're paying this quarterback a lot, but it's incumbent on us to put him in the best position possible to succeed. And we're not doing that nearly consistently enough, especially in our most important games. The Vikings right now are 30th in the National Football League in rushing attempts. They have run the ball 211 times, 30th in the league for 847 yards, roughly four yards a carry right now. 30th, Judd. Yeah. But 
that has to be talked about internally. That yeah. can't. And, and, and what's happening is, and I think we saw it last night. They run. They try to run the ball early, and if it doesn't work, they abandon it. They go away from it. We, they just. They just say, "Well, running game's not working, so we're just going to throw." throw which should ball. not be an option. No. You need to continue to do that. But you don't have, if you, I might buy into what they're doing if I believe that they had a top five quarterback. And they just said, bleep it. We got Rodgers. We got Brady. We got Breeze. We're going to ride this guy as much as we possibly can. But it's almost like you are sending Cousins out as a top five QB. And the reality is he's not a top 10. He's just out. And this is, this is, Hear me out. This is not saying he's awful. I believe he's just outside the top 10. I believe on his best days, he gets probably just inside the top 10. Mm -hmm. But I know there are some folks like Phil who don't like to question play calling. But when the philosophy goes this far away from what makes sense and from what we saw makes sense, I don't get it. I don't get it. And if I'm Zim... I'm calling D. Filippo in, and I'm saying to him, we have to establish, if nothing else, to eat up clock. Mm-hmm. Like Sage said, eat up clock. Something they have not done very well because this year. They haven't, even when they have leads and they're trying to protect the leads, they still don't really try to run the ball and, and run run the clock. And the problem, They just go away from it. And the problem with that is if you don't do that, what happens? What happened in the first half last night? Your defense is constantly on the field. Mm-hmm. You can't. This defense can't have that. This defense needs the offense. It doesn't need the offense to carry it, but it needs it to prop it up and help it. And eating up clock and keeping that defense off the field becomes very, very important. And stop turning the ball over. Well, sure, but I'm just, but I'm just. <laughs> DeFilippo's going as crazy as we are about that. Mm-hmm. Everyone is. That's just. That's just stupidity. But. When you're talking about an actual coherent game plan, and people are saying, well, yeah, the run's nice, but in this day and age, you can just pass the football. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. And this defense needs time off the field. And when you're going run, cousins, cousins, pass, pass, incomplete, three and out, that defense goes right back on. And you want to know what? You want to know two teams that are in the top four in rushing attempts this year in the NFL? Number four, the Los Angeles Rams, 295 rushes. Now, they've got Todd Gurley, so that's part of it. One of the best in the business. Number two, the New Orleans Saints, second in the league in rushing attempts with 313. And that's with, in some ways, they kind of got a running back by committee thing because Kamara is as great as he is. He's not like a bell cow that you just hand the ball off to 25, 30 times in a game. So, like, this idea that, well, you know, the, the league has changed and you can't really run the ball anymore because everybody's throwing. Well, New Orleans and the Rams are balanced. They're yeah. balanced. And, and there, that's why their offenses are so good. And there because is they're balanced. Zero upside on the Vikings defense being on the field as much as they were in the first two quarters of last night's game. There's nothing good about that. There's nothing good that's going to come from that. And yet, the game plan is continually... The run's not working. Let's just ditch it. Yep. Forget it. And Dalvin Cook is back. And Dalvin Cook, the fumbles are concerning at times, but he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not handing the ball off to Rock Thomas 
25 times per game. Matt Asiata. Yeah, exactly. If, <laughs> because that drove me crazy, too. Yeah. But you are handing the ball off to people who should be able to get yards, who should be able to grind it out, and should be able to help your defense by keeping them off the field, and you're not doing it. TCL Broadcast Studios, the show is Mackie and Judd right now. It's Judd and Manny. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, joins us next. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Dillian Woodbury. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> Pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by T-Mobile. Now at Metro, buy a select Samsung Galaxy or LG phone and get a second one for free on a new line. Metro by T-Mobile, plus sales tax and activation fee, requires qualifying plan, phone free after all instant rebates, free phone of lesser or equal value. See store for details and terms and conditions. And back he goes to the 35-yard line. This drive starts from deep in their own territory. And it's picked off at the 25-yard line. Eddie Jackson, and he'll go in for the touchdown. Under pressure again. Can he get away? No, he can't. Of course it's Mac. Tom Pelissero joins us now, of course. He is with NFL Network. He was on the uh, Ravens and Bengals yesterday. But I'm going to start you off with a primetime game, Tommy, and ask you this. How much trouble do you think the Vikings are in considering that they do have five wins? They're 5-4-1, and one, but they now do not have a win over a, over a winning team in 2018. Well, they're, you, you would say that they're in trouble, to use your phrasing, simply because they're playing a bunch of good teams here coming up. Um, you know, it's not short sell the Bears. They've got some things rolling right now. I know that it's going to come up, the offensive line issues and Khalil Mack. Well, nobody's blocked Khalil Mack yet this year. It's not just the Vikings. You know, he's, uh, he's given everybody trouble. Really, though, you just kind of have some of the same issues that we've seen before that have creeped in. They've not been able... Uh, to run the football. They've had some untimely turnovers. Um, you know, defensively, it's not as if they were, you know, completely horrible last night. They did generate a couple of turnovers, um, but, you know, not enough to, to be able to win that game. I mean, it's, it, it's a tough place to play at Soldier Field. The Bears do have a lot of juice rolling right now. Um, you know, some big time mistakes at the wrong moments. It's still a close game. You just really got to whip around here now and, and try to knock off the Packers team that's reeling on Sunday night. Hey, Tom, do you think that the Vikings are struggling to run the ball or are not committed enough to trying to do it consistently? Well, you know, you fall behind in some of these games, and I think that that impacts you. I mean, what was it? It was 14 to nothing, you know, by halftime last night. It's tough to have the attempts when you fall into that hole. I think there's other times where certainly Mike Zimmer, just based upon his background, I'm sure would like to be you know, focusing on the attempts and doing that more. They only had nine attempts in the, in the first half last night. Um, there's also a point at which you go, well, we're not running the ball effectively, so what are we doing? I mean, Akeem Hicks is a load inside. I think we've seen with you know, some of the really big um, physical uh, interior players, Pat Elfline, um, you know, has had a, a couple issues this season. Not that he's played badly, but you know, I, I remember Sheldon Rankins ran over him in the Saints game. You know, it sounds, it seems like there's some some teams that have figured out you kind of give them like a stutter power move um you can you can beat them a little bit in there 
Uh, you know, they're, they're play, again, they faced a pretty good defensive front last night. Uh, I, you know, Dalvin Cook, is he actually himself right now? I, you know, he's a guy who's always gotten a lot of, you know, been able to generate a little bit of unblocked yardage. That wasn't really happening. It just, nothing was really going until the second half, uh, even in the passing game. I mean, they couldn't get Thielen really involved, couldn't get Diggs involved. It, it was just one of those nights where it seemed like a, the field, field was tilted toward the Bears, especially in the first half. And once you go into catch-up mode, it's tough to play the formula the Vikings want to use, which is pounding the football and playing defense. Tom, what's your overall assessment of Kirk Cousins now through 10 games? Because it's been, I mean, he's been the, the, the main talker with this team because of the contract and the expectations and everything. And it's been kind of a polarizing topic because you have some people that are saying that all you know all of these turnovers are just you know he's got to stop with all these turnovers and then you've got other people saying well it's the offensive line it's if the problem has been the offensive line I tend to lean towards the middle on both of these issues where I feel like both both are issues and both can be true that Kirk Cousins turns the ball over too much and also the Vikings have issues on the offensive line where are you at on this well, I think that there's, you know, there really are two types of turnovers here. You know, the strip sacks, some of those where he's not stepping up in the pocket and guys are coming around the edge and slapping the ball out. You know, he's had fumbling. You know, that, that's been sort of an issue through his career, something that I know they'd like to work on. And the interceptions, I mean, what is he on pace for? Like 12 interceptions for the season? It's not like it's a, an astronomical number. And, again, in spots like last night where everybody in the building knows they're going to be throwing it down the stretch there. Um you know that it makes it a little bit easier for the defense to uh, to come up with some plays. I'm not excusing you know Kirk Cousins at all. The pick six was uh, I mean, a you know pretty ugly play. Whatever happened there, whatever miscommunication, it just seemed like he was throwing it to a spot where the receiver was not going to get to. And obviously, you know Eddie Jackson um, sniffs out the play. He knows what's coming and jumps it and gets an easy score. That was, that was a big time play. Uh, within the game, it's you know with with Cousins, he, he's a rhythm passer. That's the thing. Going back through his career, he's somebody who will see it, get the football out. At times, that is going to lead to him making some of those mistakes. You know, not these predictating throws, but the ball is going to come out of his hand quickly. And and sometimes last night, if you guess right on Cousins, you can make a play, which is what uh, Eddie Jackson did. Again, the, the Vikings' passing game has been highly productive this season, especially when you remember. They have not run the football effectively. Is that about the mindset and need to get more attempts? Um, there may be some of that, but you know, what the Vikings want to do is run a lot of play action and push the ball vertically. Well, if you're if you're running play action and you're not running the ball, uh, nobody's nobody's biting on it. It's impossible to move those linebackers, suck them up. Impossible to move the safeties. Uh, it just makes your entire life more difficult when you're one dimensional. Is Mark Sanchez really the best that Washington can do for its backup QB? In week 12, um, when you're just trying to get somebody who can step in and be able to speak the language and be available in an emergency situation, it, it's not the worst. I mean, he, his old quarterback coach, Matt Cavanaugh, um, is now the offensive coordinator with the Redskins. Bill Callahan's there. He's played with him before. Uh, I believe Kevin O'Connell is uh, on that staff, too. A bunch of guys that Sanchez has familiarity with. I mean, let's face it. If you're down to your third quarterback in December... You're probably not winning games anyway. And I know that the Colin Kaepernick question is always going to come up. Uh, there are any number of reasons that it would be, you'd be skeptical to say that this would be the time where Kaepernick would get a call. 
One being, and this is true with any, I think, any quarterback that's out of work, it's difficult just to learn a system from scratch at this time of year if you have not played in something similar to it before. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the idea that Colin Kaepernick is going to go and play for the Washington Redskins and that he's not going to be asked about the team name, frankly, uh, seems pretty far-fetched. You're just probably not going to go down that path. Uh, I, I'm as surprised as anybody that Kaepernick does not have a job at this point just because it seems like you know, with where we're at right now, that there are markets and that there are teams that could wrap their arms around him. But, you know, just, you know, looking at this, looking at the totality of it, you make that move on Kaepernick in March, April, May, June, July, August. It's tough to, to do it, especially because just the style of game that he has played, unless it's a team like Baltimore that has those packages and it's like Roman on staff, uh, you know, a team that's running a similar type of offense already, or at least has a lot of that in the playbook, it would just be difficult to to hit the reset button. I know they like Colt McCoy out there in Washington. He's uh, taking over a pretty decent team uh, from Washington. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, remember Colt McCoy having a big night. I think it was on Monday Night Football years ago, and that feels like it was about three decades ago at this point. We'll see what he's got. Speaking of Baltimore, they can't possibly think that having Lamar Jackson run the ball 27 times in a game is going to be successful long-term, right? Like, I, I can't imagine they're going to continue to try and do that with him. That's the question that I was asking all the players yesterday after the game. I asked Eric Weddle, you know, you quarterback ran it 27 times. You ran over 50 times as a team for 260-plus yards. It was that a sustainable formula for winning. Weddle said, it is until somebody stops it, which is true. I mean, until somebody yeah. came up with an answer and the Bengals plainly did not have an answer. I mean, I always saw the comments from Marvin Lewis that it was his first game calling the plays, and he realized on the opening series he was pushing the wrong button so the middle linebacker didn't have the calls. That's problematic. <laughs> I would hope that that's not happening to another defense moving forward. You know, the, the thing with the zone read, which they ran a ton of yesterday, read plays, they ran some speed options, but specifically the zone read is it creates like a 12th player on offense that you've got to account for because all NFL defenses are they're really scheme to have 11 players versus 10, uh, not counting the quarterback. So once you're able to run the football effectively doing that, all of a sudden now when you pull the ball and look to throw it, that's where all those linebackers and everybody is coming up to the line of scrimmage, playing, seeing a lot of single high safety. It cleans up the picture on the back end. And when Jackson did throw the ball yesterday, it wasn't a ton, but when he did, and it was either him first read, pulling the ball and immediately getting it out to somebody who's wide open, again because of the numbers game, or it was him just running around and breaking tackles and making something happen. That reminded me of watching Kaepernick when he was at his best. That's what everybody always said about Kaepernick was, you know, if you kept him in the pocket, he was not going to be particularly effective. But you have to stop the run first because he can make those quick throws to wide-open guys, and he would 75, 70% of the time he'd make the first guy miss. Everything then breaks down, the play gets extended, somebody comes wide open. And Lamar made some plays, taking nothing away from him. He made some uh, incredible plays. He also took a lot of hits, got tackled a lot uh, in that game. I don't think that that was them going, okay, this is the style of football that's going to take us to the Super Bowl. This was the Ravens saying, we got to win the game. We can't run the game. We're not going to win the game playing our traditional style of offense like Joe Flacco plays, just standing in the pocket. We've got to play to Lamar Jackson's strengths. They did it for one week, and now they've got the Raiders coming in next week who – based on how the Raiders have played this season, you'd say there's a chance that whatever they kind of throw at them, they've got a chance to pull it off for a second straight week. 
So you, did you just say that that Marvin was pushing the wrong button and not calling in the plays that, that he thought he was giving to his linebacker? Did I understand that correctly? Uh, a former player of his who shall remain nameless sent me the screenshot of that last night, a quote from Marvin saying he was pushing the wrong button. He could look in the middle linebacker's eyes and he realized something was wrong and then eventually realized he was <laughs> oh pushing God. the wrong button. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, that is a new one, and if you watch the opening <laughs> series when the Ravens ran, they ran 11 plays, yep. they were all runs, they got virtually no resistance from the Bengals, went 75 yards down the field. It's like, okay, that makes a little more sense now, because after that, the Bengals actually um, at least gave them a fight. They just they couldn't get off the field on third down. They couldn't sack Lamar in the pocket, and um, you know, eventually, once he was running around, uh, he does have a big arm. Lamar Jackson does have a big arm. You know, The issue is, it was always about him you know, two things that scouts had on him going into the draft was one, just how quickly is he going to learn and pick up an NFL scheme just because the way things were designed in Louisville was really geared toward uh, accentuating it. And then also his accuracy. It wasn't that he couldn't make the flash throws, make some unbelievable throws. He would. It was could he do it consistently. Well, you know, he had a terrible pick in the game yesterday, but also, you know, two or three plays that I'm thinking of right now where he's just running around and eventually someone comes wide open or guns one in there. And it's like, wow, okay. Can you do that every week? If you can do that every week, right. uh, you've got a chance to survive with it. Rams, Chiefs, who, who do you got tonight? Oh, it's uh, this will be fascinating, mm-hmm. I think. Just, you know, you have two, um, I don't want to call them new wave offenses, but two teams are certainly kind of at the forefront of offense, but they do it completely differently. You've got Andy Reid, who runs such a multiple scheme, and he runs, you know, kind of almost gimmicky types of things in terms of his shifts and motions and splitting guys out, getting the ball in places where you wouldn't normally see it. And then you've got the Rams who just play 11 personnel, three wide, almost every snap, hustle to the line of scrimmage, and just try to play faster than you. You know, track meet type of football. It's really going to come down to whose uh, defense can come off the field. I mean, the Rams, the thing that you like if you're, you're on the Rams side is their interior pass rush. Um, it has given everybody trouble between Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. It's tough to double, triple team both those guys and still account for the edge rushers. Now they've got Dante Fowler Jr. there. Um, you know, are they able to create some problems for Patrick Mahomes, make him play out of rhythm a little bit more? Um, you know, on the Chiefs side, I, I think it's just can they can they get the stops that they need to? You know, it, can they match up really in the secondary? They've been banged up there the entire season. Uh, can they find ways to to be able to keep up with the Rams? Don't overlook the um, the loss of Cooper Cup. I've had the scouts who say that guy is really the straw that stirs the drink in that entire offense because he's such a good route runner, so reliable. Without him, um, how do the Rams adjust their game? They're not going to change the way they play, but you know the ball may go a few different places. It'll be interesting to see just how things play out there. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. All right, talk to you. Tom Pelissier, NFL Network. He is all about football, but I got another dose of football for you as well. Because Matthew Collar is in studio. The football hour begins a half hour early when we return. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. And back he goes to the 35-yard line. Overthrown. 
This drive starts from deep in their own territory, and it's picked off at the 25-yard line. Eddie Jackson, and he'll go in for the touchdown. Well, I think with the coverage, the ball really should have gone to uh, Stefan in the flat. Um, you know, I was uh, trying to feel the demeanor of the, of the defensive backs, and um, playing fast just felt like... Uh, you know, obviously, I, I felt wrong. I, I, I thought maybe I could put it over there to, to Laquan, but uh, the throw was, I think, to, to Steph in the flat. Well, I was trying to trust my eyes, you know, and um, I, what I felt the DB do, I, I don't know that he really did. And so playing fast in the moment, you know, I felt like the DB was, was squatting, but he, he really wasn't. And uh, and if he's not squatting, then that means the safety's going to be in a different spot than where I maybe thought he'd be, and, and uh, that led to the interception. Thanks, Kirk. Collar is back from Chicago, where he witnessed the Vikings um, pretty much meltdown last night. Your thoughts on now? I got to be careful here. I'm appreciative of the fact that Cousins answered the question and didn't just like blame other people or something. So I don't want him not to answer the question. But if I'm the coach and that's the answer I get, I'm fairly disturbed that I'm paying you that much for you to say, well, in retrospect, I I should have done this. If it was an isolated incident, I'd be like, okay, that's once. But you know as well as I do, it's not. So on the interceptions and the way that they've piled up through his career, and when you're consistently throwing double-digit interceptions, that's not something that the great quarterbacks are doing anymore. If this was 1991 and he had this many picks over the last four years, you'd be like, wow. He's having a great time. Yeah, I mean, Brett Favre threw 29 in a season once, and Kirk Cousins is nowhere near that, but Drew Brees has one. I mean, just there there aren't that many interceptions going around, and it also seems like every mistake that Kirk makes, every fumble, every interception has just been at the worst time or has blown up in their face or has let another team back in the game like Arizona. They close that one out eventually, but they let Arizona hang around because of a strip sack. They let Buffalo beat them because of two strip sacks and 10 free points that they gave away. And they don't have the ability to overcome these things when they make mistakes. And I I think that that's why that they're more glaring. So maybe if Drew Brees had the same number of picks, same number of fumbles, it just wouldn't matter so much because they'd go down and score another touchdown. They'd say, okay, well, no big deal. But when you have the first four drives, three of them are three and out, and the other one is a fumble, and this has been the trend, and this is what was concerning about the offense even going into last night, is that they were 24th in the percentage of drives where they scored. So they were only scoring on one of every three drives, anything, a field goal, touchdown, anything. Whereas the best teams in the league are scoring 40% or more, and there's a big difference there. So, so even though they've gotten the ball a lot, their defense has been pretty good. They haven't been finishing drives or they've been turning it over a lot. And because they're uh, not making up for those with, with great offensive play, making up for those turnovers, they matter a lot. And so I, I think that that's one of the reasons that they stand out so much to us and stand out so much to Mike Zimmer is because they're always key parts of the game because against every good team, it's close. They they don't go sure, yeah. they don't go into a shootout back and forth or they're not blowing anyone out so it always matters yep. when you have one of those those turnovers and, and the explanation from Cousins there's always an explanation I mean there's there was a long explanation for the fumble in Los Angeles sometimes he's been curt with us get it. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. no I knew that was I'm sorry coming. no um, yeah that was funny stuff it's a long flight 
It doesn't matter. It could have been a short. It, if it actually first of all, it's a short flight. It wasn't. And a second flight of all, either. if you had driven here from your home, you um, still would have given me the same line. But, but he was. Uh, he had been short with us in the past. Yes. And then he gives the explanation last night, and I guess you're going to get one or the other. There's always some explanation for what happened, whether it comes later on his personal podcast or in a, a long explanation weeks later after a fumble. But the point is that it just keeps happening, and. This team is not good enough for it to happen, I, I guess is how I'm looking right. at it. And I don't know what the correction is. I don't think there is a correction. All right, so tell me this. If you had to divvy up a, pl- a pie of blame here for the offensive issues, how much of it goes to Cousins? How much of it falls on play calling? And in your mind, can they simply not run the ball, or do they not try en- enough? Because I don't buy this storyline about, well, if you can run the ball, that's great, but if, if you can't, that's fine, too. You know, we saw we saw a master class last year in play calling from Shermer. We definitely did. Mm-hmm. And you realize some things in watching that about what's going to work and what's not going to work. But I think, more importantly, where patience is required. So if you were to give you this thing up and assess blame how would, would you parcel that blame out? So something I was thinking about last night after this game was when is the last time I wrote a CJ Ham article? And now David Morgan was hurt last night, but when was the last time I wrote about David Morgan? Or, I mean, Aldrick Robinson gets a touchdown, but it's, you know, later in the game, and he's had a couple of them. But last year it seemed like we were writing about the role players all the time. Even the guy, Aviant Collins, who they brought in as a sixth lineman at random once, totally surprised the Bears in Week 17. They start going six linemen and handing off over and over again with these six linemen, and the Bears couldn't adjust. They never saw it coming. And it was a simple thing, just put them in a tight end and have them block some people because they play a 3-4 defense, and so here you go. Here's another lineman to deal with. He's going to be blocking a linebacker, and they just run right down the field. It happened a number of times last year where they had whole drives where there was just run, 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 run with Latavius Murray, and we haven't seen any of that this year. So there's the simplification part, but there's also the getting these other weapons involved, a little bit of it with the Chad Beebe fourth down, but as a whole on the season, can you look at this team and say, oh, this guy's been important, this guy's been important, this guy's been important. No, it's just Thielen Diggs. That's it. Those are the important people on the team. And even with Delvin Cook, when he's been in, it's been okay. He hasn't been great. I mean, look at his numbers. He hasn't really made a huge impact even when he's been in. So you got a super talent there who hasn't made a big impact. You have all these role players who prove that they can be effective who are not so much effective. And then you have two guys that you're relying on all the time, just these two wide receivers. And it's pretty clear that they're not utilizing Pat Elfline's skills either because the screen game last night, when I asked Kirk Cousins about it last night, he twisted his face into a pretzel and looked like he was going to go off about not using quick passes and screens last night and then didn't, then backed off. Then he said, <laughs> well, look, I mean, you can always go back and criticize something after it's gone wrong or whatever else. But his exact answer was, oh, right here. It? Yep. okay, got it. I, I think that was something that maybe, you know, in hindsight, maybe we could have activated. I don't know. I don't know that they were taking it away or not, but... Uh, we also had plays that we liked or felt good about. And right, so he tries to double back there. And then it makes you go back and say, well, should we have run something else when, you know, that's the benefit of hindsight that you don't have when you're calling the plays initially. Those are those same plays we called tonight are plays that, you know, in the past have also worked well for us. But I, he acknowledges that, yes, they yep. should have been going to that more often. So, anyway, to your question, 
who gets the blame here. I think that it is pretty equally distributed. If this was the first time Kirk Cousins ever struggled with this issue, I might say, oh man, look what they did to Kirk Cousins. But it's not. It, John D. Filippo does not have a great history as a play caller. He has one year in Cleveland, and it was really bad. But we sort of shrugged our shoulders at that because it was Cleveland, and Johnny Manziel was doing cocaine, and it was really awkward. But, all On right. The field? Okay, fine. Could have been. There's lots of chalk out there. So, you know, okay, we give him a pass there. But it hasn't been impressive, really. And last night, game planning-wise, to not have some of those quick passes that they used against Philadelphia was really surprising. To not come up with anything to run the ball. The Bears were using lots of creativity just to run the ball early in that game and having a lot of success. And then the general manager of the football team who just doesn't value offensive linemen very much. And it really is baffling because when you look at the New Orleans Saints, they have the best quarterback. He's unbelievable. Why is he having an MVP season? Yes, he's got the weapons. They have the best offensive line in the league. Their left tackle, Taron Armstrong, is a monster their right tackle is a monster. And right. guess where they drafted him? In the first round. I mean, to, to forego improving this offensive line when you knew it was losing a really good player in Joe Berger and to have Rashad Hill at right tackle. Yeah, it's just ignoring to, it. Right. They I mean, just ignored it and ignored it. And listen, then you better come up with the best damn game plan of your life when, when you're going to face Khalil Mack, right? Right. That, that was my point. It's like, well, Clomax tough. Well, I understand that, but you're the one that you're the guys that told me you'd be fine. Right. So right. give me a game plan that makes sense. Right. Poor Riley Reef getting ragdolled by Clomax is is malpractice. Yeah. By the Vikings, it's malpractice. So you come out of camp with Rashad Hill at right tackle, and you eventually have to bench him, which is foreseeable. Uh-huh. You've got Mike Remmers at right guard because he played one decent game at right guard in week 17. All of a sudden, he's like, a, you're starting right guard? No. The guy's never played there in his life. Plus he's a right tackle. And Move him shows. back to where he should play. Yes. And it shows. And he was a decent right tackle. Yep. He was not a star, but he was decent. So you've got, all, you've got this going on. Nick Easton gets hurt. The thing crumbles. And by the way, at left tackle, Riley Reef right now is a, is a bust. He's just a bust. The first five games of Riley Reef were really good, and then he got hurt. Then it was lower back, and then it was something else, and then it was something else. And this year, it's been the same story. We talked about this in the offseason. If Riley Reef gets hurt, it's a problem. And he did, and it just has not been anywhere close to good. That's a ton of money that they've poured into him as their starting left tackle. And so your offensive line basically has one real good player who's proven for a year in Pat Elfline and you're not using him in space. Wow. You're the blame you, you and you, I mean, everybody OC gets to blame as well, though. Yes. For, for this offense to be as ineffective the, as it is. This is going to be everyone. This is going to be the talking point because the play calling doesn't make con- consistent sense. In fact, let's take a break. TCL broadcast studios, uh, come back and address that more. Mackie joins the show at five right now at Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by T-Mobile. Now at Metro, buy a select Samsung Galaxy or LG phone and get a second one 
for free on a new line. Metro by T-Mobile plus sales tax and activation fee requires qualifying plan. Phone free after all instant rebates. Free phone of lesser or equal value. See store for details and terms and conditions. Well, I think I think we need to be more efficient in running the football. I do think that there's times that um, we need to stick with a little bit more. That was uh, Zim uh, today's uh, day after Matthew Collar press conference after the Vikings lose to the Bears. And one thing we always like about Zim is he's got a breaking point. He's got a oh, definite yeah. breaking point. So he can only keep his, his trap closed and be the good company guy for so long. So he got into the subject today, evidently, of play calling. And DeFilippo, who I don't think he's super high on to begin with, uh, and I'm told that this is a pretty juicy soundbite right here. mentioned some of the miscommunication with the INTs or other things uh, that have happened in the past with, with some of the moving pieces in and out of this offense. Do you think they're still learning how to play together even though we're this far in the season? Um, you know, I don't know if learning to play together is, is quite quite the thing. Um, you know, we do have a lot of guys going in different spots. Um, but uh, uh, what's the best way to say this? It might be uh, a little volume maybe, a little too much volume. Like too much. Just, you know, let's, let's just play football. You know, you run a really good out route. You run the out route. He runs a good curl. You run the curl. You know what I mean. So maybe maybe we just need to to focus a little bit on on not trying to trick the other team quite so much. So this speaks to the the Filippo issue, and to still have miscommunications at this point is pretty startling. And it's gone on really every week. Since the beginning of the season, where throws go to nobody, they go to areas where receivers aren't, and it just seems like they're not on the same page. And maybe last night's interception was part of that, and Kirk was just trying to be the guy who takes responsibility, but maybe someone didn't quite understand where they were supposed to be. The The understanding of Pat Shermer's offense last year was at a, such a high level that players were helping Shermer with decisions. They were having conversations with him, and they called it like a democratic process to add things, to subtract things, what's working, what's not working, what do you think we can do? And there were so many times, to what Zimmer's talking about, where Stefan Diggs would run an in route like 10 yards down the field mm-hmm. and just be wide open mm-hmm. against cover three. Like no, like somebody was one-on-one, him or Adam Thielen, turned out to be him. He just would run, a, they call it a dig for Diggs, and... Well, I mean, it's a dig route. Yeah. It's not like because of digs, but it's a dig route. So it's like 15 yards in. Yeah. He's open. Yep. Throwing the ball. He's going to catch it. And, and that might be part of it, that it has been just so much that's been thrown on them. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I really buy into more than that is just that the head coach is trying to deflect the blame onto his coaching staff and away from Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. because I think he realizes – and, and I think he realized this with Sam Bradford a lot, too, that he can't attack the quarterback in these press conferences. He has got to have Kirk Cousins on his side. He cannot hammer Cousins. So it's much better to turn it back to the offensive coordinator right. and have his players hopefully try to rally around that offensive coordinator. Right. Has the head coach lost his team? We'll discuss next, and he comments as well. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.
As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. The new Deborah Health Report podcast drops the first Wednesday of every month. Visit DeborahHealthReport.com for the latest with Raza Kay as she discusses heart disease, sleep conditions, and more with leading doctors at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. Listen at DeborahHealthReport.com.